Good morning, City Life. Good morning, church. Good morning, family, friends, visitors. So grateful that we are here together one more week, praising our Lord, getting to know Him, coming to His Word and saying, Lord, change me, deepen my relationship with you. And so I'm so grateful for all of us to be here. My name is Pedro Reese, and I am the lead pastor here at City Life. If I haven't met you, if you're new, we are so happy that you're here. If you've been coming to check us out, so grateful for you to be here. Hit that on new button. Go to our website. We want to hear from you. We want to connect with you. And so we're serious about being a community for Christ here in Jersey City and right now online. Uh, we're serious about it. We want to do it so passionately uh, to take care of our city. And it's actually funny because, uh, well, not really funny, um, crazy that after today in two Sundays, we'll be online for an entire calendar year which I am still in awe of all of you and especially in awe of God, of God for taking care of us for this long. Man, I remember sitting in front of the last in-person gathering we did. The last Sunday we had, I didn't even preach, so I haven't even preached in front of everyone since before, almost next Sunday a year. But our last in-person gathering, City Life's last in-person gathering, was downtown MC March 12th, 2020. I remember this because whenever I need a laugh in this past year, whenever I need a pick-me-up, I just put myself back into my shoes on March 12th. I I stood in front of the downtown MC and I said, for as long as we can, for as long as we can manage to do this, we are going to try and be in person and we're going to make the appropriate decisions to make, to have that be possible. And I remember this because the very next day I got a call from the school And the school told me that we couldn't meet PS16 where we normally meet. They said, the school's unavailable for the foreseeable future. And here we are, almost a whole year later, and God has been so good to us. Uh, We always, Scripture teaches us to make plans, right? To be wise, to use all the wisdom and knowledge that we've been given, all the talents and skills that we've been given. Count the cost, right, when you make a plan. Who builds without making a plan? But then we always take our plans and we lay it at Jesus' feet. And so super grateful that we're all here, that God has taken care of us, and that God has been immeasurably kind to us this year. We have seen it evident in this entire year. And so today after service, today is a special Sunday. After service, we're going to be linking a link to our Zoom call afterwards because we're having our family meeting. We're having our annual presentation of what God has been doing about our finances. We're going to open up everything and be transparent because we love our community. We are, so, we are passionate about the work that we have, that we do it openly. We have absolutely nothing to hide. And so we want to talk about how God has cared for us this year. We want to tell the story about the last three years and what, how God has brought us out of a difficult place And we want to also just talk about the future and where we're going and just thank God for how good he was. And so visitors, again, please join us on this call. This is an internal call. This is for our city lifers, but it's also for anyone who wants to be there. If you want to hear about the heart and vision of our church, what Jesus has told us to do and be for our city, even if you want to hear about our finances, come to our meeting. I encourage you to come to our meeting, get to know us. Because we want you in our home, we want you in our family. And so come, click on the link too. Even if it's your first time doing one of these Zoom calls, come because we're just going to communicate how 
awesome God has been and how we are moving forward in this year, what the plans that God has given us this year. And so join us, even if it's your first time here. If you'd like to come and hear about us, come. We, we really want you to be here with us. It's going to be right after service. There's going to be a Zoom link in the chat right below me, I believe right here. And join, click on it, join us. We'll give everyone a few minutes to jump on and then we're going to tackle our family meeting, present our budget for the year. And so I also, I wanted to start my sermon like this. We do not have that much time today. I really have to jump in and get going quickly. Ryan always makes fun of me that when I'm really pressed for time, I always waste time by talking about time. And now I'm wasting more time about talking about time. But uh, here we go. This is, this is my opening statement for this morning. That I, I'm a 34-year-old man. I'm a father. I'm a husband. But if you want to see me cry, if for some reason you weirdly want to see me cry, a grown man cry. Number one, it's not that difficult. Uh, if you've been with me for probably more than two hours, you might have seen me cry at some point. So it's, it's not a very big task to take on. But if you want to see me cry, tell me a story about global missions. For some reason, the way God has wired me, even when I was a nominal Christian, not really caring about my faith, taking it really lightly, um, not really invested, stories about global missions always somehow just got to me. I love hearing stories about how God takes people and reshuffles them all over the world. Plug for our MCs, sign up for our MCs if you haven't. But God takes people and he gives them this heart for another person, for people that they don't know somewhere else. And they say, oh, Lord, I'm going to go send me. And then they go somewhere that they've never probably been before or have spent time getting to know. And then they're there. I, I love this, these stories because I also love how, especially in this modern world, especially as Americans, we're often told that whole parts of the world like, are hopeless and produce nothing and are just other places of the world where, as Americans, we have no idea about. I can't tell you how many times someone has come up to me and asked me really funny questions about being Brazilian. One time, no joke, somebody came up to me and asked me what part of Africa Brazil is in. And so I just love hearing these stories about the world. I love how God just is so big and works everywhere and works across every boundary. And I love hearing the stories of the part of the world again where like we have no hope or aspirations for and God, how he like builds things in there, in those parts of the world like he does everywhere else. So did you know, I have a couple of did you knows, did you know that the, there are hundreds of thousands of Muslim believers that annually convert to faith in Christ because they dream of him, because Jesus comes to them in dreams. Did you know that? Did you know that there are hundreds of thousands, thousands of Muslim believers who dream about this man and they wait and wait and wait with no access to knowing who Jesus is, and then they get to know who Jesus is, and so many of them that we never hear about are, are believing in Jesus. Did you know that? I, I once read this story, a mission story about this man who for 20 years dreamt about Jesus. Not every night, but constantly dreamt about Jesus. 
And every time Jesus would say, wait, 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 I'm going to send you someone who knows me to tell you about me. And for 20 years he waited. And the first opportunity where he met a believer, imagine that, never met a believer for 20 years and then finally found someone and converted on the spot. And I love these stories. They hit so deep. Did you know that the underground church in China is growing at rates that missiologists cannot even uh, believe is true? That the underground church, the, the prophetic presence of God is, is so vibrant in the underground church in China. And he's doing amazing things for, for the stories of persecution that we hear. There are also beautiful stories about the church really growing. And did you also know that in the world's largest Muslim nation, Indonesia, that Christianity is growing at such a rate, it's still a minority, but it's growing at such a rate that the government there has been doing social campaigns to curb the growth of Christianity. That our, that our faith, not because it's just our faith, but because our Christ is so universal, he, cross, he crosses and transcends every boundary that we ever put on him, that his gospel speaks in every time and in every tongue, and that wherever he is, the church is growing there. Did, did, are we aware of all of this? And we start here because today we're, we're continuing what Ryan started last year, talking from, we've moved from new life, and we're talking about this one humanity, God's new society, the church, that God is building his church here. And what is so significant and beautiful about the church that I think, honestly, most of us, me from almost all of my life, too, just is so oblivious to. So today we're continuing our mystery series our mystery series through Ephesians, talking about the queen of the epistles, this book, Ephesians, this letter, how beautiful and rich it is. And we have to talk about this new society that God is building, this new creation of humanity. And so let me pray before we really just jump in, pray for that the Holy Spirit come here and infuse himself in everything that is said and every response that we might have. And so let me pray for us, Jesus. I thank you for this day, and I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for how you act in the life of our church and how you build your large church, Lord, this body, this community, this society that you're building. Lord, help us today to let this word just penetrate parts of our hearts that uh, we are unaware of or have shut you off of, Lord, or have been hurt and wounded in the past. We pray that you do a mighty, mighty work starting in this uh, topic right now, Lord, that you would um, help us to see the church as you do. And so, Lord, I love. we love you. I love you. Holy Spirit, you are invited in every part of today. We pray that you would might act mightily. And I pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. I absolutely love this. Let's just jump in and read this. This is the word of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, and it has now been revealed 
to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. I have come to really, really appreciate this. There's a lot here that we won't be able to get to today, unfortunately, but there's so much here that we need to talk about today. What Paul is really saying, what he's saying in all of this, he's like, when I came to Jesus, when I believed in him, I, I have two privileges. I've gained two privileges. The first one being the mystery of Christ, and the second one being mission. So mystery and mission. Let's see how Paul breaks these two up. Let's talk about mystery first. In verses 1 to 6, he, he starts talking about mystery. He, he tells us what this mystery is. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ, Jesus, on behalf of the Gentiles, assuming that you have heard the stewardship, he's saying, you know, I, I, I've been given authority over you, I've been given this mission to preach over you, that God's grace was given to me for you, how the mystery has been known to me through revelation, that this mystery, first of all, came through revelation of God. There's no other way that we got this. And that when, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was made, not made known to the sons of men and other generations, but it has now. And then verse 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So we need to talk about this mystery. This whole series, we've been calling it the mystery series. And it's been kind of what we've been building up to, kind of what Ephesians builds up to, is laying this idea up until now. We've been talking about new life in Christ. What does that mean when we say yes to him? This new life, this new being, this new creation that we step into with all of these promises that are built into our theology, all of these assurances that Christ gives us. He showers his love and his richness, like we're going to talk about in a second. But the, and here he just sums it all up into this mystery of Christ. And we need to talk about what this mystery is. You know, mystery, uh, a lot of the commentators that, that I've been reading say that there's a real contrast between what an English mystery is and what a Greek mystery is, an ancient Greek. See, for us, a mystery is like um, this hidden secret, right? It's something dark. It's something to be uncovered, investigated. It's like this thing that wants to remain hidden. It's like a Nicolas Cage movie, The National Treasure is one. There's a, there's a treasure map behind the Constitution. If we just like put invisible ink on some of these pages or do like the Bible code, I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but the Bible code, we're going to get the real truths, right? We're going to get the really important things, the things that are going to like make us the best Christians in the world, and we're going to be better than other Christians as well. And, and that's just like 
to me, I don't know. That's to me this picture of what this mystery is. It's like another layer. At times, it's like another layer of, oh, what can make us kind of special? But here in the Greek, the Greek understanding of this word musterion is the Greek word musterion. It's that there was a secret, or something was kept hidden. And it was kept hidden for a while on purpose. But now that it's been revealed, you know, because a mysterion only gets revealed when it's the Lord who does it. When, When it's revealed, it's revealed so that all people can know for the rest of time. Something that wants to be plain and out there in the open and celebrated and shouted about. It's, it's nothing, I, I, I like this. I, I just think about the denominations in our faith in our church that are like, we're, oh, we're, the, real, we're the real Christians. We have the deeper truths, right? Oh, we're, we're the smartest, we're the best, we're the holiest. Only actually, only our denominations actually getting into heaven. I don't know if you know that, but we're kind of a big deal around here. And the Greek idea of mysterion, musterion here, just like completely demolishes every, everything about that thinking. But it's like, no, God's like, I, I kept this hidden for a bit, for years, for millennia. So I kept this hidden, but now in the life of Christ, I'm revealing this mystery. I'm revealing the mystery, and I want everyone to know, Paul, I'm especially assigning you, go and tell everyone, go and tell everyone. This isn't supposed to be hidden. Everyone's supposed to know this. And this is the mystery. In verse 6, he tells us, you know, it's not a secret. It's, it's kind of oh, out there now. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I think that for some of us, this might be an anticlimactic truth. But let me tell you, church, city life, if not for the mystery of Christ, then none of us right now listening to this video would most likely be found in God's family. If not for the mystery of Christ, that everything that Christ did also applied to us Gentiles. If not for the mystery of Christ that somehow unifies all people at all times, no matter circumstance, language, skin color, tribe, nationality, ethnicity, no matter, if not for the mystery of Christ transcending everything, then we would all still be dead and lost and we would have no life. Here, Paul mentions three specific things, three things that we are now co of something, that we are co-heirs, that we share in the, in the inheritance that Christ offered everyone, that we are concorporate, which means that we are part of the same body, that the God's special people, the Jewish people, and we can share in what, they, what God has prepared for them all along, that it's for us too that we can be co-sharers, partakers in the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. To us, this should never be plain, and we should never glance over this. The mystery of Christ is that somehow he's able to get everyone. It's that somehow he's trying to reach everyone, exactly where they are, knowing how every person needs to experience him. Giving everyone the option, but being available for everyone. I hope that this gives us a new appreciation for what Galatians 3 talks about. Just one page over in my Bible, Galatians 3, starting in verse 25. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God. Remember, ladies, this is a promise that you've been given sonship, all the legal rights of a man in an ancient world, man. Through faith, that you're all sons of God through faith. Verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. 
There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Oof. That the mystery of Christ would penetrate our hearts now, church, to let us all know that if not for his mystery, he would have not been able to reach us. We would have been lost and dead. Everything that we've talked about until this point in our mystery series wouldn't be available to us. But the mystery of Christ opens this up for everyone. And so that was Paul's first gift, his first privilege, under the revelation of this that the apostles got. And then, and then his second privilege is his mission. Let's read verse 7 to the end here. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Paul's first gift was knowing the mystery, that the mystery applied to him, that he was in, that all of us are get to be in his family. And the second was his mission. He, he makes it clear here that to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace has been given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring light to everyone what is the plan of the mystery. How I, I, I love this. No, we've been talking for, this is the third time we talk about the riches or richness of Christ in somehow. The first one was his strength, right? The second one was his kindness. The third one now is this mystery. And Paul, Paul, his mission is to tell everyone, all the Gentiles, everyone in the world about the unsearchable riches of Christ. To bring up a, just a few that we've talked about already explicitly noted that rich, that we have resurrection from the dead, that we are alive with Christ. That right now, somehow, we're here, we're also sitting in the throne, on the throne with Jesus, that we share in his inheritance, his royal inheritance. That we have reconciliation with God. Remember a couple weeks ago, we are children of wrath, but then God comes and changes everything about us, and now we are children of his grace that the end of our hostility with God has come and that now we enjoy peace, like real peace with our, with our God. That we have access to the Father through Jesus and by the Holy Spirit, that the whole Trinity is alive and active in our lives and building us and drawing us closer to Him. That we have membership to God's kingdom and that He's making a, home, a room for us, a home for us, someplace for us to be for all of eternity, that we belong that we are not just wandering, that we belong. We have a home. That we also have this dwelling with, with one another, with other believers, right? Ryan talked about that last week, how we are, we are being called to be this one humanity together with Christ at the center. That we would know Christ's richness. 
And that the, the, the special ingredient this week, the new element to all of this, is that we are incorporated in with Jewish believers into God's family. That the amount of grace and mercy just in that alone. And I love how Paul talks about this. Up until this now, whenever he uses the word preach, he's usually using the Greek word uh, evangelism, evangelize, right? And that, uh, the word evangelize is like all about like share, tell, tell, speak, proclaim, tell the story of Christ, get this information out there, get the content out there. And then here he turns to another word, a new word that, that sheds light on this. The Greek word here is uh, fotizo, that it's his, his job, his mission now to fotizo to the Gentiles. And he says it again, the word fotizo, in the dictionary it means enlighten, right? But like actually, concretely, it means to shine a light, enlighten, right? Get it? To shine the light of Christ, that when we talk to the Gentiles who are lost and dead, and not because they're it's horrible because they don't know Christ yet, but for us to go to them and tell them about the unsearchable riches of Christ so that we shine light in their heart and in their lives and give them the, the reason for everything, which is Christ. For Jesus, it's to bring the light for everyone. What is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things? Verse 9. And I love this shift that Paul makes. He's like, you know, he doesn't disregard evangelism, right? He goes back to evangelism after this. But he's like, you know what? This this proclaiming, this speaking, it's to bring people life. It's to bring people alive. It's to do something that produces more than just reading a book that, that changes everything about the person, which is knowing and living out of this mystery of Christ. I, I love the word uh, unsearchable here, too. If, if commentators have been writing for centuries about this, how inadequate any word is to capture what is really saying here. Unsearchable, that is like, it's too vast to explore, like the ocean in places, it's too deep for us to know what's down there. We haven't been there before, it's uncharted. Some synonyms that commentators and translators use all the time is to unsearchable, inexplorable, untraceable, unfathomable, inexhaustible, inscrutable, incalculable, infinite. That we will never know fully until we see Christ like chapter 1 says here, until we see him face to face, we see the one who fills all in all, we will never be able to exhaust the meaning of Christ's unsearchable riches. That this mystery will know no end until Christ comes down here and finishes what he started. And then we, our third point, the last thing we need to talk about today so we can get to family meeting is something that I think even if you read this, if you read this 10 times, you might not catch it any time, but I have, oh, I, I love this, I love this. Let's talk about manifold. Let's read verses 8 to 10 real quick. God's word says this. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. 
So the, let's talk about this, the audience really quick because we just can't get to this today. But this, the, the church is the manifold wisdom to all of the spiritual world, what, how good God is, that not even the angels and the demons fully can grasp how good he is, but they are like a play catching glimpses of him, his uh, revelation of himself through what is happening in the church. Let's talk about this word manifold here. I, I've come to love this word. We're going to show it on the screen right now. I'm not going to even attempt to say, you know, I'm a Hebrew guy. I'm not a Greek guy. I studied Hebrew. My Greek is so bad, so I, I won't insult any of you by trying to pronounce this word. But it means many-colored wisdom. I love that. I, have, I never knew this before. This is new to me, and I absolutely have held on to it this week. And this is what God's saying here. He's saying that his, his activity in the church, building the church, calling the church, forming the church, really, for the, for the first time, bringing the world, world, the church, that he is showing his manifold wisdom, his many-colored wisdom. This word manifold, in the, in the Greek word, is used to describe a bouquet of flowers and how it's so beautiful as a collective. Uh, you know, every flower is beautiful in itself, but when it comes together, it's elevated because they're, it's like a concert. This word also talks about crowns, how beautiful crowns are because of all the elements, all the material, the gems or diamonds and the gold or the silver, how it all comes together to show majesty. It also is, was a word to talk about the beauty of an embroidered cloth, which in this day was so expensive and so valuable. And also, I love this, it was used to describe the beauty of a woven carpet. You can't see the floor here, but we have one here, and it's just so beautiful, the patterns and the colors and how everything goes together. Some of it contrasts with other ones, but they only work when they're together. And this, God is saying, you know what, that there's beauty in His diversity, beauty in His multitude, beauty in His unity. John Stott, my, my best friend, my new best friend in starting Ephesians here, he writes this. No other human community resembles it, it being the church. Its diversity and harmony are unique. It is God's new society, and the many-colored fellowship of the church is a reflection of the many-colored wisdom of God. You see, you see why the church is so special You see why the church is so beautiful, why God loves his church so deeply. A couple weeks ago, we talked about that we are his workmanship, right? And this ties everything into it. Is that to you, like, I'm not beautiful by myself, really. Christ in me is what is beautiful. And then Christ in us, when we join together and become more than just a group, but a church, people who live for him. The global church, that's why I started talking about global missions, but us, all the church, that somewhere right now, someone on the opposite side of the planet who I would, will never meet, who speaks most, a language that is not of my own, who looks like different than me, who has this different color skin than me, who has different experiences, who has been hurt in different ways, who has seen God work in different ways. Somehow me and him are brothers. Or, or me and my sister across the world, that we are, we are one and connected because of Christ. Oh, that God displays his wisdom in the diversity of his body, of his kingdom, of his people, of his community. 
And so what we're really getting here, what Paul starts to teach us is that the church, this collection of people that God is able to bring under him in every, every decade, every century, every millennia, every language, part of the world, ethnicity, skin color, everything that we use to divide ourselves, like the Galatians passage says, you know, there's nothing that separates us in Christ. That together we're beautiful because God can attract anyone. Paul even says, if he can save Paul, me, the least of the apostles, if he can save me, Pedro, a nobody, a sinner, I used to be a sinner, then what can he do for all of us? How beautiful is this recreation? And so the church is this recreation of humanity, that we're not like, I'm not who I used to be. Together, none of us are who we used to be. And so he's recreating humanity through the church, bringing his society and his kingdom through the manifestation of the church because we are all like, oh, like this masterpiece of Christ. Not because we're perfect or because we're good. Lord knows we sin all the time. And the church leaders dis- disappoint all the time. See what our own denomination is going through with Ravi Zacharias right now. Like any man, any woman will disappoint. But the, the great church, the capital C church, the universal church, is God's, God's body. He loves it. And so there are three statements that come out of this text here and what Paul is going to start talking to us about is that the church is central to history. Because right now we live in the age of the church. The church is one of the primary ways in which God decided to act in the world. And so we need to live up to the calling of being his church. City life, how are we hitting that mark? How are we not hitting that mark? We need to be a better representation of his manifold wisdom to this year than we were last year. How are we going to do that? How are we going to look more like Christ as a body, not just individuals? How are we going to do that this year? Because the church is central to history. The second one, the church is central to the gospel because that is one of the primary ways in which God said is going to be communicated. We need to have, be, do what he says here, the fotismo, by shining light in people in the darkness and attracting people to the light because we all need Christ. We all need the light. Every soul that has ever lived has craved Christ. And so how, how are we going to do that? And that the church is central to Christian living because at no point in, in this book, in our word, are we called to do this alone. Every time it talks about our individual faith in Christ, shortly after it talks about our communal responsibilities and how we're supposed to do this together. That the church is central to Christian living. The church is imperfect. Organizations and brands are almost meaningless, worthless in the grand scope of, of God's church. So let's conclude this a little bit more because we need to get to family meeting. I'll, I could be here every day talking, all day talking about this. Let me start off by reading this quote from my new best friend, John Stott. He writes, So then, as the gospel spreads throughout the world, this new and variegated Christian community develops. It is as if a great drama is being enacted. History is the theater, the world is the stage, the church members in every land are the actors. God himself has written the play, he directs and produces it. Act by act, scene by scene, the story continues to unfold. 
And so, church, we, we need to realize today that the story of the mystery of Christ is, is ours to have and live out and tell everyone that we know about. That in the diversity of the church, God is showing his supremacy over everything. That God can talk to anyone, no matter what time they live in, no matter where they're from, their experiences, who has hurt them in the past, how they've been hurt, that all of us, we share this common, that we are actually family. In some of the truest senses of what family means, our, our body, the body of Christ is our true family, just as much family as our biological families, if not a little bit more, because we have all been called together in Christ. And so, church, I think it's everyone, every Christian's temptation to have this low view of the church, a pessimistic view of the church. No church is perfect, but we need to realize what the church truly is. God calls it here in Ephesians. He says that it's his new society. God will never give up on the church because it's his new society. God will never give up on the church because it's his new humanity. God will never give up on the church because it's Christ's bride. He'll never give up on the, on the church because it's his body. He'll never give up on the church because it's his plan. His plan to call us all broken and lost people and make us new creations. Recreate all of creation through us, through people coming to Christ. And so I can't think of a better passage to launch into our family meeting where we break down our church, talk about what's important to our church, celebrate how God has cared for this church. Because in a year that will in some ways be the most difficult years in our lives, in some ways, God has more than kept us going. He has more than just helped us to survive. We are his church. We are a small embodiment of this global church that he has started. And so, City Lifers, we're going to put the link up to our family meeting here. And let's click on it and let's go. Let's see what God has done for us. Let's see how good God has been to us. Visitors or anyone, even if you don't know Christ yet, come to our family meeting because we want to talk about what God has done for us how he's provided for us in every financial way, how he has given us vision and passion to go forward, how even in a pandemic his plan doesn't slow down or take a detour, but how we uh, love being his church. We love the diversity. We love the manifold wisdom that God shows, the many-colored wisdom that he shows in the body of the church. So let me pray for us before we exit the church. Every week I say, I love you, and I can't wait to see to you. And every week that's true, because we are his body. We are a local embodiment of what he's doing globally and throughout all of time. And so let me pray for us, and then we'll go to our family meeting. So Lord, I thank you for never giving up on us, for bringing us out of death and giving us your light, Lord. And I thank you that us Gentiles, we have full access to you, like you say here in your word, that we, have, we can go to you in boldness and confidence and know that our faith in you brings us to you. Lord, teaches us, teach us how to live that out every day more and more. Help be with us in our family meeting, Lord. Help us to talk about your faithfulness. Lord, we love you. Thank you for everything that you've ever done for us. 
the, the unsearchable, immeasurable greatness of, of you. Uh, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So church, let's jump on this call. We're going to give everyone 10, 15 minutes, and then we're going to jump right on in and talk about what God has done in the life of our church in this year. Love you. Can't wait to see you. See you in the call in a few minutes. Sign up for an MC. Don't forget about that. Love you. Bye.